Hey there, it's Lisa. Hi lovely Wild Hearts, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the Wild Heart Diaries. I'm so glad you're here. If you're coming back to listen to another episode, you're very welcome. And if you're new here, welcome to our lovely Wild Heart community where highly sensitive souls hang out and talk about hmm, childhood trauma, spiritual stuff, lots of woo, woo woo. And um, yes, just about chewing the fat on life really, isn't it? Today, I've got something exciting to share with you. I want to talk about something which I'm offering next year, which is called Ignite 2023. I've decided that I'm going to do this every year. So every November, December time, I'm going to send out an email. I'm going to offer it out and the first person to sign up gets it. So it's just only available to one world heart just because it's at such a ridiculously ridiculous price. And the reason I'm doing it is because I was chatting on Telegram the other day to an old client of mine who I worked with way back when. I did a sponsorship for um, a a family company called Cali Kids and I sponsored a child for a whole year. And obviously this family didn't pay and I coached them for a whole year. And the mum is like, seven years on, we still feel the effects of it. We still talk about you. You know, we still remember the things that you taught us so that's what we call the ripple effect you know like seven years on and she just said it was so powerful and we'll always remember you and what's lovely is her daughter who I worked with has gone on to work in mental health and also the mum works in as a teaching assistant or an Elsa I think in a school so all kind of like emotional well-being roles which is lovely, so lovely. But I was reflecting because I found a card that she'd sent me when I was having a sort out and it was so beautiful. And I remember reading it at the time and thinking it was lovely, but I couldn't let that in at the time. So when I read it recently, it brought me to tears and I was like, you know, this stuff is powerful, Lisa. And, you know, (laughs) you've got to let that in. You've got to let people say thank you. You've got to hear the good stuff. And uh, yeah, so I got in contact with her again and I just thought, oh my God, I want to do that again, but not for a family this time. So this time Ignite is going to be for One Wild Heart and it's going to be working with me for a whole year to flex your intuition, to strengthen your intuition. So if you're a a busy brainer, an overthinker or um, you are a chronic self-doubter like I was, you gaslight yourself and you're not sure about yourself then this is for you so all you need to do is make sure that you're on my newsletter list and then when it goes out then the first one to hit reply we'll get uh we'll get to work with me for a year i'm very excited because i know it will make a massive difference because um always in coaching like coaches sell coaching packages for a period of time and i've noticed more and more in the industry that people are not doing one-off sessions and they're selling packages for like three months or six months and I've definitely done that I'm now offering three months and six months and I'm also offering a one day in person intensive which is like a face-to-face it's the only face-to-face that I do Um, and the reason for that is because the longer the relationship the deeper the connection the greater the transformation it's quite simple you know like think of it in terms of training at the gym you know if you go to the gym once or you hire a personal trainer once you're not going to get a six pack, are you? Or fit or whatever it is, you're, whatever goals you're trying to achieve. 
So really the only one session I do is is the intuitive readings that I offer. Oh, and I'm also going to be sending out an offer for those in December for people that want to, um, a, who want a card reading for next year, who want to uh, start planning their intentions and goals for next year. So yeah, make sure you're on my newsletter list. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But if you go to the homepage of my website, smileyforlife.com, there's a little box at the bottom of the page and says, join our wonderful Wild Heart community. And you pop your details in there and you're all set. So that's Ignite. And I'm calling it Ignite because it is like a spark, a, a switch that goes on inside of you when you connect back to your intuition. And if you've grown up in dysfunction or you've got childhood trauma, that's the first thing to go. Because if you're in denial, you're not connected up to your intuition. So it's hard to trust yourself. You lose that trust with yourself. And that's really scary because you need to trust yourself and you you need to trust yourself to be able to get on in life and to keep yourself safe, don't you? And to follow your dreams and to believe in yourself. So that's 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 why we're doing it. So it could be you. It's going to be life changing. And yeah, make sure you're first in the queue. I think I'm going to send out the email. Um, well, my, my November newsletter always goes out. My, my monthly roundup goes out at the end of the month. So you'll always get a monthly roundup from me. And then I'll send that one out a few days afterwards. So keep your eyes peeled and check your junk because even after you've been subscribed to me for a long time, sometimes I fall in your junk. I don't know why they put me in there. It's really unkind, isn't it? <laughs> I think I don't think they should put me in your junk. But hey, that's just the uh, the way the email system works. Right, so today I'm going to be sharing with you my EMDR therapy session. So I think I told you that recently I'd had a break from my therapist and I was thinking about her and she texts me and she's training to do EMDR. And she asked me if I'd want to be a guinea pig so that she could um, try it out. And I was like, oh, my God. Yes, please. Where do I sign up? Just because we've got such a phenomenal connection because it stood the test of time over 12 years. And, you know, in that connection with a therapist, you are going to get bumps in the road. This is part of the process. Like you're going to get triggered. Your therapist is going to trigger you. And if you're with a good therapist and they encourage you to talk about things and address things, then that that will be part of your healing as well. That will be part of your healing. I always think if something's come up in a session and you come away from a session feeling confused or uncertain um, or upset, that you need to take it back the following week and say, you know, I don't know how you were feeling. This is what I usually do. I usually say, I don't know how you were feeling at the end of our session last time. But as I was walking home, this is the story I was telling myself and this is how I was feeling in my body. And then, you know, and she knows how to navigate that. Um, so what is EMDR? Well, I'm going to read it off a website, aren't I? Because I don't want to get it wrong. I'm going to read it off the EMDR.org website, if anyone's interested. Oh, no. EMD. Oh, that's not the EMDR International Association. It's called Creating Global Healing, Health and Hope. Well, isn't that lovely? We all need some of that. Right. So it's American, I think, this website. It says EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. 
It's a structured therapy that encourages the patient to briefly focus on the trauma memory while simultaneously experiencing bilateral stimulation. So what is bilateral stimulation? Well, basically, do you know what it reminds me of? You know that, I don't know if you ever watched Little Britain. We've got a comedy show called Little Britain in the UK and Matt Lucas used to do this really awful hypnotherapist, which I think was a piss take of Paul McKenna. But he like goes, look into my eyes, look into my eyes. No, don't look around my eyes, not around the eyes, into my eyes, into my eyes. And then he would tell them that they had to do something. And then he'd be like, one, two, three, you're back in the room. It was so funny. But when my therapist was doing it, we did laugh about that because I said, oh, you remind me of that character off of Little Britain. So bilateral stimulation is when you're making your eyes move from one side to the other and you follow her fingers. So she'll take her fingers across your face and you follow them and you go right to the edge, right to the edge of your eye sockets and the other way. Now, you would think that that would make you go cross-eyed and that would be uncomfortable and painful. But when you get into the trauma memory and the emotions start to bubble up and it gets intense, she starts to move her fingers quicker from side to side and then she'll move her fingers up and down sort of on a diagonal. And honestly, you get into a really rocking, like it's almost like from side to side, like a rocking rhythmic you know, it becomes quite rhythmic and soothing. And so you're just going from side to side and you don't really think about the eye movement because you're bringing up the memory and you're lost in your head. It's just, and so I think what it does in a nutshell is as you're remembering the memory and the therapist is waggling their fingers from side to side, it just fucks up those neural pathways that's fucked you up. But that is my technical <laughs> technical description. You know, it's basically unplugging the ones that have been plugged in the wrong holes and remaking new ones I'm sure that's not how they describe it on the website but you get what I'm saying let's see what they say on the website they say it's an extensively researched effective psychotherapy method proven to help people recover from trauma and PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms ongoing research supports positive clinical outcomes showing EMDR therapy as a helpful treatment for disorders such as anxiety, depression, OCD, chronic pain, addictions and other distressing life experiences. How does it different how is it different from other therapies? EMDR does not require talking in detail about the distressing issue or completing homework between sessions. EMDR therapy rather than focusing on changing the emotions, thoughts or behaviors resulting from the distressing issue allows the brain to resume its natural healing process. Our brains and our bodies are so clever if we just let them do what they were designed to do. EMDR is designed to resolve unprocessed traumatic memories in the brain and for many clients it can be completed in fewer sessions than other psychotherapies. So it does actually tell you here how it affects the brain. Do you want to know? Apart from my fucked up plugged in whatever I just said but let's let's just I think the way my therapist described it to me was that she said when you experience trauma in the brain every time you have a memory or something which is associated to the traumatic situation for CPTSD sufferers that is an emotional flashback every time you have one you feel like you're dying so it's been wired in with this terror panic um that's your stress response, your fight, flight, freeze or fall. And it's wired in. So by waggling the fingers and making the eyes go backwards and forwards, you you reset that so that you can have 
the traumatic memory without the charge. And I can categorically tell you that after one session with her, I can bring up any memory or I've, and I've tried loads. I've been testing them all thinking, if I think about this, how do I feel? If I think about this, how do I feel? And there's no charge. There's no, there's no charge behind it. There's no terror. There's no fight, flight, freeze or fawn. I just remember it and go, oh, and it feels like a distant memory where it should be in my brain. And, you know, if it's a little bit sad, I might have a cry. Um, And if it's a bit annoying, I might get a little bit frustrated and angry. But my emotional response to the memory is in proportion to it being a memory of me being a child. And I'm a fully fledged adult in my body remembering it. Because what happens is we get blended with the inner child and the inner child gets bigger than the adult and takes over. And then that's when we, you know, our adult self has left the building, as it were, when you're having an emotional flashback. I probably should do an episode on emotional flashbacks and how to manage them. I'll pop that on my list for us. So how this is what the website says. How does EMDR therapy affect the brain? Our brains have a natural way to recover from traumatic memories and events. This process involves communication between the amygdala the alarm signal for stressful events, the hippocampus, which assists with learning, including memories about safety and danger, and the prefrontal cortex, which analyzes and controls behavior and emotion. While many times traumatic experiences can be managed and resolved spontaneously, they may not be processed without help. Stress responses are part of our natural fight, flight or freeze instincts. When distress from a disturbing event remains, the upsetting images, thoughts and emotions may create an overwhelming feeling of being back in that moment or of being frozen in time. EMDR therapy helps the brain process these memories and allows normal healing to resume. The experience is still remembered, but the fight, flight, freeze or form response from the original event is resolved. There you go. So it just takes away that feeling of dying is how it was explained to me. And honestly, now I've come out the other side and I'll talk more about how what I've noticed and how it's different. But now I've come out the other side. I appreciate how far I've come on my my healing journey and how much pain I was in. Because when you're in it, if you've been in it since you've been a kid, you don't know what it's like not to feel like that. My God, I feel a million percent better. Now, before I tell you what my session was like, I just want to caveat this with the fact that remember, I'm doing this with someone who I've known for over 10 years, who I've been in therapy with. She knows my story. She knows me. She knows my little quirks and things that trigger me. She knows my triggers. Um, And it was weird because as we were doing the uh, EMDR together afterwards she said oh, I found it really hard not to hold space for you and not to allow you to talk about your emotions just to experience them and I said to her well don't you worry I said because I could feel you in the room with me and that's what it's like to be with someone who you trust who's safe you don't need words you can feel them you can feel their loving strong presence she's like a strong loving presence that's anchoring me into the ground And I feel completely safe with her and I completely trust her. And I don't know if I'd have gone and had it with someone else, if if it would have had such a profound effect on me. So I want to say that from the off. I also want to say that I've been doing the work on myself for 20 years and I trust my intuition. So there are times when we were doing the EMDR where really random images and thoughts and words were coming into my head. And had I not been experienced in trusting my own intuition, I might not have 
vocalise those to her and it might have taken the experience down a different path as it were so I got some really random ones and I'd say them to her and she'd like okay let's go with that so let me let me explain to you what happened the brief was to come to the session with a memory that was no more than a five on the scale of one to seven seven being highly traumatic and it had then the memory had to be more than six months old So I took the memory with me of being sent to my room and so I had to, so we sat like, uh, we sat opposite each other but not directly opposite each other, like slightly on a diagonal. It was called Ships That Pass in the Night. So, you know, she was on a diagonal to me so she could lean across and get two fingers and wave them in front of my face and it was quite close to, to my face. Some people will get you to do bilateral tapping on your shoulders So you cross your hands across your shoulders and you tap one side and then the other and you move your eyes, you know, according to where you're tapping. Um, But the the therapist will probably give you different options maybe and then you get to choose or maybe they'll have a certain way that they like to work and so you'll just go with that. I don't know. This was my experience anyway. So first of all, we had to create a safe space, which I, I, I I do that in my group actually with the world the Wild Heart Book Club because feeling safe is the most important thing and I value safety over everything especially when I'm working in groups because groups can be really triggering for people because if you always felt like the odd one out in your family of origin you didn't feel safe in your family then when you get into a group that that can set you off understandably and there's nothing wrong with that so always being really clear about what the boundaries are and creating the safe space so I created a safe space which was my book my book nook which is here in my front room so I've got like floor to ceiling bookshelves and a nice leather armchair with a reading light in the corner of my front room and I had that made especially as a safe space because books were my safety as a child no one picked on you if you were doing homework or reading a book which was lovely (laughs) I don't know if that was conscious or not I did love reading so yeah and so then we had to tap that into our bodies and then then we had to describe the memory we had to describe everything heightened in terms of our senses so I could I could tell you what the wallpaper looked like on my bedroom wall because there were many an evening where I lay on my bed and I stared at that wall and cried myself to sleep so I know exactly the colors um yeah so I so I had to bring that memory up of being in that room and what happened and what I would do and then I had to focus in on the worst part of it and the worst part of it when it would be when I was not when I was crying was when I was thrashing about so I would like kick the door in and I would pummel on the door with my fists and I would probably say some very choice words to my mother like I hate you and call her all the names under the sun and what's really strange although it's not because obviously they were controlling me I um even though I was sent to my room and shut the door I never ever thought about leaving that room you stay in your room but there was no lock on the door but I never would have left it and I can remember wanting to go downstairs to the bathroom which was like halfway on the staircase between the downstairs and the upstairs and creeping down the hallway and I knew where all the creaky floorboards were in my room and I knew how to creep down the hallway without anyone hearing me although they probably could 
um, and they probably heard me go into the bathroom to go for a pee or to get some water from the tap because I was thirsty. So I can remember doing that as well. So we talked about it a little bit and she said, right, close your eyes and open your eyes, bring up the memory. And then she put her hands in front of my face and she would just wave them and she'd say, follow my, follow my fingers. And then obviously as I got more into the memory and, and, oh, and so she was saying, as we get into the memory, if it gets too distressing, just say stop and ask, uh, and we'll take, you can go to your safe space. But I was hardcore. I just kept going. <laughs> well, because I trust myself and I, I know how to sit with my uncomfortable feelings. Like I'm not scared of my feelings anymore. I'll just let them come. So she's waving her fingers in front of my face. And as I got more and more into the memory and more and more into the sort of traumatic of it, then I would start to cry. And then she would get faster with moving her fingers. And then she would go and up and down diagonally and she explained to me afterwards that she said it wasn't the crying that showed me that you were in pain she said it was just written all over your face the trauma and she said at that point because this was the first time she'd done it on someone apart from on the training course I thought bloody hell this is really powerful and it scared her how powerful it was but then she was like I know you and I I knew you could handle it so so then we come out of that memory and she says to me how are you feeling so I wipe, wipe my, you know, have a little bit of a break, wipe my tears, blow my nose. And I say to her, well, we're not in the room now. We ended up being on the staircase and I was on the staircase, except for it wasn't me. It was my niece, my niece when she was three years old. <clears throat> and I can actually picture um, that photograph, that Christmas. It was a one Christmas and I can picture that photograph of, of Maisie at three years old. And... Um, she said, okay, that's fine. She said, is anyone else there? And I was like, uh, no, it's just her. So then she said, let's go with that. So then I have the memory of of my niece, that memory in my head, and she waves her fingers again and she's going backwards and forwards. And then I start crying again because the memory's changed. And then uh, she, she says, right, let's take a break. And I'm crying and then I stop and I blow my nose and wipe my eyes. And she says, what's happening now? And I said, oh, well, my dad was there. And she was like, what was happening? And I was like, he was restraining me. He wouldn't let go of me. And, and he was trying to get me to go back upstairs to my room and I wouldn't go. And she said, okay, let's go with that. So then we were waving the fingers again with the traumatic memory of my dad. And that was probably horrible, actually. And I really cried. And um, yeah, it's making me feel quite emotional thinking about it. Just because I'm not... I'm not emotional thinking about the memory of my dad restraining me. I'm emotional thinking about doing the session now. And so she waves her fingers and then she did them on the diagonal and then we came out of that. And she said, what's happening now? And I said, oh, there's a few people like milling around. So then she said, right, let's go with that. So we went through that memory of people milling around. Then we came back out again. She was like, where are you, are you now? And I was like, oh, we've gone back into the bedroom. And she was like, what's happening? And I was like, well, the painters came. So when we first moved into our house, we had two extensions built on it. We lived in a building site. My mum had two children under the age of three and and was pregnant with another one on the way. Like, what the actual fuck? And my mum was really, you know, traumatised by her own childhood. So I really don't know what they were thinking there, but obviously they thought they could handle it. Anyway, 
I said, we're back in the room and the painters are here. And there was this really lovely painter called Bert, I remember as a child. And because I was starved, of, I was desperate for attention as a child, I would go and read my books to him. I would sit with him while he was painting my room. I don't know how old I was when, when all this was going on. Obviously, I was a little bit older by the time that we had the extension built. And and obviously, your memories are all mixed up and confused anyway. They don't come out in chronological order because of the trauma. And uh, I was reading a book to him and she said, oh, lovely. OK, let's go with that. So we went and we sort of did the thing on that. She was waving the fingers in front of my face up and down, backwards and forwards, side to side. And she said, what's happening now? And I said, well, we just whitewashed the whole bedroom. I said, and then I shut the door and I just walked down the corridor and I didn't go anywhere. I just disappeared at the end of the corridor. And she was like, let's go with that. So we locked that in and that was fine. <laughs> um, and actually what we had to do with each, with the traumatic memory was we had to lock in a, a, a phrase that would describe, or a statement that described how we were, how we felt in that moment. So initially when I was in my room at the beginning, my statement was, I'm not worth it. Because I just said to her, you know, I'm not worth it if they would shut me in that room and leave me on my own like that, so distressed and not help me with my feelings and punish me for things that weren't always my fault because I was a child. Um, Then I'm not worth it. They just made me feel worthless. And she said, OK. So then when we got to whitewashing the bedroom, she was like, is there another statement that you'd like to pick? And um, she said, do you feel worth it now? And I said, well, yeah, I do actually. And I felt different in that instant. I felt really different. And we talked about what had happened and why I'd experienced seeing my niece at three years old. And she said, I think that something happened when you were three. Either that was the first time you were sent to your room or that was the first time you were smacked and you came out, popped out of your body. But she says something happened to you at three. And the reason why you saw your niece is because you couldn't see yourself because you'd come out of your body. And that we have identified that the age of three was a really triggering year for me. And always when we come to my three-year-old self, we have to do sand tray therapy. The sand tray therapy allows you to express through the toys in the sand pit. Um, you create a story. So you say what your body wants to say, but what you can't say with your words, what you can't verbalize. And always when we do sand tray therapy, the tops of my legs tremble and we identified that with being a flight response. So that is my inner child, maybe my three-year-old wanting to run, wanting to run away from something that's scary. So I don't know what that was, but obviously I've got no memory of it. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Um, So then we got to this statement. I can't remember what the second statement was. I don't think I need to remember Oh, I, I said, she said to her, what would your positive statement be then? And I was like, oh, I'm lovable. She was like, well, can we, can we cement that one in? So she did the fingers on I am lovable, but with me going back to the original memory of being in the room and hammering down the door and, you know, screaming and hollering, but with, by, by thinking I am lovable while that was still going on. Oh my God, it was amazing. Because... What happened was <clears throat> I went from, oh, hang on, my voice is going. Let me just get a drink. Hold on. <clears throat> the old throat chakra is going. I went from being in that room and thinking I am lovable to the time when I recently bumped into my dad. 
And she said, what's happening? What's happening? And I said, so we came out of it. And I, and I said to her, I'm with my dad again, you know, when I bumped into him. And she was like, okay, and what's he saying? And I said, well, he looks really sheepish. And I said, maybe I need to hand some of that shame back to him. And she was like, right, let's definitely go with that. So we waved. When I say wave, it's me. I'm waggling my fingers in front of my face, but obviously you can't see me because I'm on the podcast. Uh, so we went with that. And then she said, what's happening now? And then I said, oh, I'm turning to walk away. And I said, no, actually, I don't want to walk away. I want to go back and hug him. So I walked back and I hugged him. And we were all right. And I said, I feel all right. And she said, good, right, let's go with that. So we we um, did the EMDR on that. That's probably a better way to explain it. We did the EMDR on that memory of me hugging him. And then she was like, are you still feeling lovable? And um, I said, no, what are you now at? And I said, oh, about four or five. And she was like, okay, right, let's, let's go again, let's go again. So we were back on that scale again of, of measuring like, where I was at and um so we went back again and I found myself back at our old house on the driveway and I was cleaning the car with my dad which is something that we would have done with him on a Sunday or we did the garden you know we Sunday was our day for being with him he used to take us swimming and we'd like potter around it was quite nice and my mum appeared in the um in the doorway so we've got like two entrances to our house one is like the main front door and the the other one is like the side door to the kitchen and my mum appeared at the side door to the kitchen and so we came out of that and she said to me what's happening and I said I'm asking him why he can't love me and she said right okay do you want to go with that so all automatically my brain had gone into I'm lovable so it's not you it's not it's not I'm unlovable it's like you're the one with the problem you don't love me why don't you love me it's not because I'm unlovable so that was that was a real switch in my mind, if that makes sense. So she did the EMDR on that memory. And what happened was, is that my dad looked at my mum and then he went to stand with her. And then they kind of blended into the back door like they were almost going back into the kitchen together. And I turned into a white rabbit, like the white rabbit from Alice in Wonderland, with a massive heart in my hand. And I was jumping up and down and I was ecstatic. And I came out of that and she went, what happened? And I told her and I said, you know, I don't need them. They need each other more than I need them. And I went, and it's a seven. And she was like, I can see it's a seven. It's written all over your face. And that was it. I finally let go of them. And now I'm an adult. I'm a fully fledged grown up. And since I've had that treatment, I have not had any emotional flashbacks. I've been around loud noises. I've heard fireworks. When I drop things or I get things wrong, I laugh at myself instead of going into a shame spiral and berating myself and beating myself up. I can think about my family and my parents and I've got no hatred, rage, anger, shame. I'm just like, yeah, that's them and they need each other. They're in a they're in some kind of they've got some kind of connection between them that they prioritized above all of us and they need each other like they can't they're in survival mode they can't exist without one another they're completely dependent on one another and I'm doing all right and for the first time in my life I actually that makes me emotional I actually thought oh my god I'm gonna be okay this is what it's like to be to feel normal do you know what I mean it was amazing and um 
and then I went back the following week to have a check in with her and just to sort of unpack it all and talk about what we'd experienced. And um, I mean, still now telling you, I'm like, I just can't believe it. Like all the little things like I walk past the butcher shop on the way into town and sometimes I would have avoided going that way because I don't like smelling the butcher shop because it reminds me of the smell of my dad. And then I start to miss him and then I start to get all into that story about am I going to talk to them again? What's going to happen? But I didn't. I walked past and I smelt the smell of the butchers actually way before I got to the shop. And I just went, oh, do you remember when you used to go and work at Dad's shop on a Saturday? Oh, isn't that nice? And I just walked to the post office and I was posting books out to my book clubbers because they got a signed copy of uh, my book. And it was just amazing. And I feel lighter. Oh, and that was it. The morning after. So I had it done on the Friday and on the Saturday morning I woke up and I went to boil the kettle and I was standing um, at the cupboard door so the kettle's in front of me and the cupboard door's above me and I've gone to reach out a mug and I was like oh my god I feel taller and I told my therapist and we laughed and she said that's wonderful Lisa she was like it's just an expansive energy isn't it healing you're just taller you're just bigger you're just more you there's more of you there you know not what they want not what they thought you were oh it was absolutely phenomenal I I it was the it was probably the last thing on my healing bucket list that I hadn't tried and I was really reticent to go and try it with a therapist that I didn't know. And the minute she said, I'm doing it, I was like, I'm right there. And I think it's good for her as well, because that's her first experience of doing it. She's felt the power of it, but she's also seen how powerful it was in terms of my healing. And yeah, I feel like I can do anything now. As in, and I don't, I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I mean, before... There were so many things holding me back and keeping me small. And that was the trauma. That was the trauma mind that was saying, don't do this. You can't do that. You might get it wrong. What if this happens? What if that happens? And a lot of my energy was taken up uh, dealing with being in survival mode, dealing with the emotional flashbacks on a daily basis and having to sort of live with the burden of not talking to my parents. It was a massive burden. And the one thing that I have really noticed is that the MDRs got rid of the shame part of the CPTSD. So the CPTSD is, I think, the core of it is toxic shame, anxiety and depression. And I I was carrying a lot of shame for, you know, advocating for myself. I, I reached a crossroads where it was like them or me and they made me choose and I chose myself and I felt huge amounts of shame and guilt and I locked myself away for years feeling like I didn't deserve I know it sounds really pitying but you know that's how I felt that's what shame does to you I felt like I didn't deserve um to have a nice life because um because of the decision I'd made but you know that's not a coincidence that I locked myself away in my flat because they locked me away in that room repeatedly as a child so yeah <laughs> that's my little EMDR experience um, if you're thinking about having EMDR and you've got any questions, I'm not an expert on it. I'm not an expert on it. What I do know is, is that you have to have like a historical uh, sort of backlog. So you need to have some relationship building sessions with the therapist first before the EMDR can work. Um, <clears throat> and I'm I'm sure like when a therapist knows your story, they'll know how many sessions you might need to have. But again, healing is not on a time frame. Healing is when the body is ready to let go of it, is ready to release it 
and um, our bodies know when it's the right time and it obviously was the right time for me to let go I was getting pretty frustrated actually thinking God how much longer are you going to punish yourself are you going to forgive yourself are you going to let it go but I don't think I realized that's how I was holding myself back so I hope that's helpful to share that today it's a deeply personal story but it's such a positive one and it's so empowering and so inspiring that I just couldn't not share it with you lovely wild hearts but I hope I hope yeah if you've got any questions that you want to ask me I'm not an expert in it but um I would gladly try and answer your questions you know that you can contact me through the comments page in the show notes you can send me a voice note at anchor fm or you can send me a direct message on my instagram all right so we'll leave it to there today and um next time i'll be back with another episode for you i don't think there's any journal prompts today because um unless you've had emdr i don't i don't i mean just maybe talk about journal journal about about anything that you've heard me say today that resonated with your story perhaps perhaps that's that's something for you to take away all right lovelies i'll see you next time until then stay wild choose love so much love to you bye for now